0: With me to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2, and um, we'll begin at verse number 6. You know, the Word of God, the, the Bible uses the expression, the manifold or the multi layered wisdom of God. And so there's, there's just a, a lot of wisdom and there's a lot of, of truth, and you know, we, we open up these verses and we go there for one reason, and then you know, there's other things that the Holy Spirit starts to bring to our attention and emphasize and, and breathe upon. Um, I use the example of like, it can look like a fire's completely out till you start, you know, breathing on it, and all of a sudden those coals start to glow, and sometimes we go to a verse, and it's like the Holy Spirit will start breathing on it, and certain portions of that verse will start to glow, and it's like He's, you know, breathing on that right now for us. And, and so we, we may be here for a little while because we haven't even really gotten to the original reason that I feel like the Holy Spirit led us um, to this passage, Uh, but continuing our study on the subject of walking by faith, um, Colossians chapter 2 and uh, verse number 6, it says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Now, There's lots of ways that people define the Christian life, but the Christian life is simply what this says right here, walking in Christ, um, living in Him. The Bible uses a couple of different expressions. Um, The first is this word walk, and the other is a little more um, unique, I guess, Uh, but it's the word conversation. The Bible for instance, speaks of Paul's previous life um, in Judaism before he was converted and became a born-again believer, a spirit-filled believer. He referred to it as his conversation among the Jews. And he, and he wasn't talking about like gathering around, around the water cooler and, and shooting the breeze. Um, it's literally breaking your life down to moment by moment word-by-word word, because the words of our mouth chart the course that our lives follow and then step-by-step step. So when he says so walk in him, he's talking about your daily life And and not just in a general sense, but in a very specific sense So again our conversation our walk um, he's, he's speaking of the the moment by moment unfolding um, developing if you will Of our individual lives so we could define then the Christian life as walking in Christ living in Christ in him we what live and move and have our being we know that our life is in him we know that we've received life from him but then the challenge of course is how do we walk that out or live that out Paul in his letter to the Galatians he emphasized to them that he was laboring among them still he labored among them initially to see them come to Christ to to receive salvation but he said now he travailed in birth again for them to see Christ formed in them and a simple way of communicating what he means there is for the inward reality of their new birth to become an outward expression of life. For everything that they became in Christ Jesus and everything that they were given because of who they became in Christ Jesus to be manifested, to to flow in their life, for, for them to enjoy it and experience it. Now, you don't have to read the Bible very long, especially the New Testament, to see that a lot of folks... Are living far beneath their God-given blessing and privilege. Living or we could say walking um, not in their true identity and not in what truly belongs to them as an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. So that simple phrase, so walk in Him, it carries with it a tremendous amount of weight. it's, It's a very Uh, simple phrase that carries with it a very complex meaning so again walking in Christ would be who we are in him our identity in him that would include our freedom that would include our prosperity that would include our righteousness that would include our wisdom some of the things that we talked about even on Easter Sunday morning, Resurrection Day morning here at Heritage, all of these things that Jesus has become to us, walking in Him means walking in the reality of those things, walking in the confidence, walking in the hope, walking in the righteousness, walking in the holiness, walking in the godliness, All of these things that we are and became inwardly, expressing them, experiencing them, enjoying them in our outward life reality, making those connections. Now, the simple answer to how you do that, how do you do that, is by faith. And I think it's, again, I love the way the Holy Spirit phrased that verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord so walk in Him. In other words, we don't walk in Him any differently than how we received Him. So that first part of verse 6 gives us a really important clue, some really important insight in how to effectively express outwardly who we've already become and what we've already been given inwardly. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus Lord. Well, how did we receive him? How, how did we receive him? I mean, did, did, did we go pay some money to receive him? Did we, did we do enough good works to receive him? Did we earn him? Did, did we, did we um, you know, come to church enough? Did we, were we good enough? Of course, no, 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 no. We, we received him by faith. We heard the word concerning him. It awakened and aroused faith when we heard it. We then acted upon that faith by confessing out of our mouths what we believed initially in our hearts. We believed in our hearts that Jesus is the Son of God. We believed that God raised Him from the dead. And then we acted upon that by confessing with our mouths that we believed that in our heart. Notice it went from something we believe in our heart to something that was released from our heart by action, and in this case, the action or acting upon was when we confessed, when we spoke. Amen. Are you seeing this? Now, maybe you're here tonight and you've been born again. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never been born again. Let's don't way overthink this, all right? It's, it's actually very simple to be born again. Jesus did the hard work, so, you know, it would make it very easy, very simple for you. But let's say you're here tonight and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, I uh, stand last night at Heaven School, there were some folks baptized in the Holy Spirit. You say, well, how, you know, is, would that involve, or would that be included in this umbrella of so walk in Him? Absolutely. In words, Jesus took away our sins so that we could be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Remember, He baptized no one in water. He didn't come to baptize in water. He came to baptize in the Holy Spirit. So walking in Jesus would include being baptized, being empowered with, receiving this endowment uh, with power from on high. So how do we walk in Him in that way? Same way you receive Jesus Christ. Same way you receive salvation. You believe in your heart. You confess with your mouth. You act upon what the Word of God says concerning these things. Are you seeing this? Now, we began last week, and I think I want to try to finish this. I've got a couple of different directions. My heart's tugging me in, but, hey Amen. I, I want to, I really feel like I'm, a, I'm assigned to do this. In other words, I think the Holy Spirit said, I, you know, this is the, the course we need to take. And so I want to I be obedient to that. And then if we have time, once we do that part, we'll see how far we can get into the other but we begin last Wednesday night with just a simple statement and I want to I want to put it back up on the screen and and that simple statement is faith is not passive faith is not passive So if faith is not passive, then that means it's what? It's active, or we could even say that it's aggressive. You have to act upon faith. The Bible makes it very clear that faith without works, without any corresponding action, is dead. And and we could say that another way, it's dormant. In other words, it's something that is awakened within you but if we never release it through action, then that's faith that never produces the result that it could have otherwise produced in our lives. So it's dead in the sense that it was dormant or it it, it was it was non-productive in our lives. So faith then is not passive. And I know that we have. You know, we have some folks in here who know a whole, whole lot about faith. and we've got uh, folks on the opposite end of that spectrum or scale who, who don't know a lot about faith. And and then we've got some folks who think they know a lot, but they don't know as much as they think they know. Amen? And and so I'm, that's not throwing rocks at anybody or puffing anybody up. I know that some of this is, is fairly basic and simple for some of you. But again, um, there are others that this is a whole new world that's being opened up to them using our faith intentionally to solve problems you were created by God to solve problems by faith amen and so we've got to shift out of this idea of thinking that faith is passive or that faith is something that's done to you versus something that you act upon or something that you do now, let's, um, <clears throat> let's go to verse number 8 here, Colossians 2 and 8. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. There's one thing that each um, part of this, you know, we've got a list here, philosophy, empty deceit, traditions of men, basic principles of the world. So all four of those things are speaking of something different, but they do have one thing in common, and that is they're, they're each one different contaminants or pollutants to faith. Each, each one of these things are things that involve our thinking involve you know logic or, or, or rationale you know r- trying to you know use our intellect or our intelligence see that's what the world says the world says no no you solve problems with your intellect you solve problems with with your with your mind you, you solve problems um with your thinking and 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 and, and listen obviously god created the, the brain and gave us the ability to think but Our minds are highly susceptible to to being deceived. Um, Our our minds, even what we see, we put so much confidence in what we see like we've never been, been fooled by what we see when we've been fooled many times by what we see. So again, we see that because these things appeal to the human intellect, they, they, they appeal to reason. That's the other word I was looking for a moment ago. Reason, logic, being you know rational, these kinds of things. All of that appeals to, and notice that, that it's an effort on the enemy's part, and this is really, really important, so please hear me. It's an effort on the enemy's part to get you to shift out of your heart into your head. Out of your heart and into your head. Remember, faith is a function of the heart, with the heart man believes. And Satan is absolutely terrified of your faith. The faith that you've been given is the victory that overcomes the world. You walking in Christ, as you you therefore receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. You... Effectively walking in him, in who you are and in what you've been given in Christ Jesus is a tremendous threat to your enemy. And so how is he going to try to keep you from doing that effectively? He's going to try to work on your, you know, that, that faith factor. He's going to try to keep you from operating and walking in faith. Because you can't effectively walk in who you are in Christ and in all that you've been given in Christ if you don't do it by faith. Are you seeing this? So if he can contaminate your faith, if he can pollute your faith, remember a double-minded man shouldn't expect to receive anything from God. If he can can shift you from the Word of God in your heart into reasoning and logic and and probability-based things, thinking and these kinds of things then he's going to be able to cheat you. He's, he's going to be able to um, if, if, in other words if someone is cheated. Think about this for a moment now. If someone is cheated we're, we're talking about something that, that either was yours that you never experienced or, or, or enjoyed. King James Version uses the word spoil here. And the idea is the spoils of war, where an enemy came into your home, came into your homeland and cheated you, spoiled you, took from you what was yours so that you would not be able to experience it or enjoy it. Are you seeing this? So do you see how these things are related? As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in Him. We walk in Him by faith. So how is it that our enemy is going to cheat us or spoil us, right? In other words, I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm trying to think of like just examples in my life. You know, where some, someone cheated us. I, I've used the example of like, you know, you order some fries through the drive thru and they only give you like you know two-thirds of an order. And the idea is, you know, we paid for the whole order. Don't what cheat me. Notice, being cheated means something that that you is yours, something that you should otherwise have, but for some reason someone else has it. Some some something or somebody else has taken that and, and is enjoying that instead of you. This is what it means to be cheated. You know, what Father has given to you is spelled out clearly in the Word. Um, th- this, I've said this before, this is not, this is not a, a, a wish book. Um, I'll, I'll kind of date myself now, but, um, you know, that we live now in the days of Amazon and all that stuff. I still remember when we got the J.C. Penney and the Sears and Roebuck catalog especially the one at, I heard an amen over here, so I'm going to talk over here, right? Especially the one at Christmas when they had all the toys. Oh, man, right? They even, I think, called it a wish book, you know. Um, and I think sometimes we look at the Word of God as like a, a wish book. This, my friend, this is not a wish book. This is an inventory. This, this is spelling out who you are in Christ and what belongs to you. Because of who you are in Christ. This is not what God is going to give you. It's what He has already given you. And so if we're not enjoying these things, we are effectively being cheated out of them. Are you seeing this? If whom the Son is set free is free indeed, and we're still living as born-again believers in some form of entanglement, in some form of bondage, in some life reality that is less than freedom, right... Then, then our freedom is, is, being, is being spoiled. It's, it's, being, it's being cheated. We're not getting the full order of our freedom. We're, we're, not, we're not getting to enjoy you know, every fry in our freedom fry pack. Are, are you saying those we're being cheated? It's, it's ours. But there's a reason. There, there's something going on here. He says, beware. Beware. I mean, number one, has Father given us things? Yes. Is it possible for what He has given to us to be, you know, taken from us, for, for us to miss out or to fall short or to, to not experience it in its fullness? Absolutely. So this is what he's, he's, you know, warning us about. And notice that the cheating takes place through philosophy. Empty deceit. According to the tradition of men to the, and according to the basic principles of the world, Not according to Christ. Not according to Christ. And so, again, I'm trying to move past this. I feel like I've got another target I've got to hit tonight. But philosophy, empty deceit, traditions of men, basic principles of the world, all of these things are referring to different um, categories, different types or kinds of contaminants in, in our mind, in our thinking, that... Affect our faith, if not neutralize it altogether. All right, now, let's do this. I gave you a few of these verses last week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just start over in, um, let's go, you're in Colossians 2, just skip down with me to verse 18. He repeats it again, let no one cheat you of your reward taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into, these, into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. So I'm wanting, I'm wanting to emphasize tonight, I'm going to show you several more verses that are telling us to either hold fast or to lay hold that's not speaking of of some passive you know laid back if God wants to give it to me he'll figure out a way no no this is talking about something proactive this is talking about something um, aggressive if you will on our part so holding fast to the head Let me run through these kind of quickly. Philippians 3 and 12, Paul says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Is this word to us tonight? Is this word to the body of Christ tonight? In other words, is this the Holy Spirit speaking to you and me tonight? It absolutely is. And notice, He's not telling us um, to let go. He's telling us to lay hold. He's telling us to take hold. 1 Timothy 6 and 12, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now this is Paul to his son in the faith, Timothy. Timothy. Timothy's a born-again believer. He's pastor of a megachurch. Are you, are you understand what I'm saying? But he's telling Timothy to lay hold on eternal life. He's talking about something that, that Timothy already has within him by virtue of his new birth. But now he's... Laying hold of these things. Remember, the inward reality of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life. He's saying, saying, Timothy, go after these things. Lay hold on these things. These are things that Jesus has already provided for you. These are things that Jesus has already given to you. These are things that, that are yours right now. You need to lay hold of these things. And notice how it coincides with fighting the good fight of faith. Think about it this way. If he was only talking about something that Timothy would receive when he died, the only way for Timothy to lay hold of eternal life would be for him to perish. Do you see this? In other words, if if eternal life is only something that, you know, applies to someone, you know, when this life ends, then we go to enter into eternal life. No, no. Then he would say, Timothy, look, you know, you need to speed up this life and die so you can lay hold on eternal life. No, he's talking about laying hold on eternal life right here, right now, in this life. He continues that in verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Somebody need to say amen right there. That was weak. Who gives us all things Uh, Who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. One translation says, take hold of what life really is. Take hold of what life really is. Amen. It's a lot of folks who are confused about what life really is. Amen. All right, let's keep moving here. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, uh, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that is set before us. Those two immutable things, we could teach on that for a while, but I'll just briefly say that, number one, God made a promise... And then to add security to that promise, he entered into an oath or a blood covenant with Abraham. Not because God needed to swear um, to honor his word, but God entered into that oath. He swore to Abraham because that was something Abraham understood. That That is Father God relating to Abraham on Abraham's level. Are you seeing this? So when he... When he says, look, I prom- this is my promise to you, Abraham, and so that you will have confidence, a confident expectation, that's what hope is, that I'm going to fulfill what I've promised, I will now enter into a blood covenant and swear an oath to you that I will see my word through to fulfillment and completion in your life. And so we see that Father God has also entered into a covenant, blood covenant, where our promises and provisions are concerned. And so that we also might have strong consolation. Anybody here made a break for it? Anybody here separated from the pack? Anybody here, right, left this world in the dust to run to Jesus? That's what he's talking about. Fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. Hope is within reach. For every born-again believer. Now, listen, if you don't know the Lord, man, you, you're, you're in trouble. It's just that simple. But for every born-again believer, amen, there is hope available for us. But we, again, what is he saying? We must lay hold of that hope. We have to stir it up. We, we have to stir ourselves up. We have to build ourselves up sometimes, man. David found himself in a very difficult time in his life when some of the closest people to him were not only turned against him, but they were talking about killing him. And the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. We see that David developed this practice of speaking to his own soul. He would say, soul, you just might as well get used to it. We're fixing to glorify God. Right? We're fixing to boast about God. We're fixing to brag on God. Amen. When he would feel sad or depressed or blue, as we would say, he would speak to his soul. He would say, soul, why are we downtrodden today? Why are you cast down within me? Uh-uh. We're not, we're not doing that. We're going to rejoice today. Amen. So this, these are practical ways we can lay hold of the hope set before us. In other words, that water is set before me right now. In other words, Pops more than likely brought this up here for me, All right? So, but that water can be there the whole night. If I don't lay hold of what's set before me, I think I will. So we've got to lay hold of what's set before us. Let's keep going. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness comes through the law then Christ died in vain now notice what I did after I lay hold I laid hold of the water I laid hold of the water I took a drink of it then I set it aside See, I, I laid hold on it I enjoyed it for a moment and then I set it aside and that's what a lot of people have done with grace They enjoyed it for a moment, and then they set it aside, right? Paul said, I am not going to set it aside. I've laid hold of God's grace, and I'm going to hold on to His grace. Set aside would be to think and act as if it doesn't exist. To receive this magnitude of grace, but to keep living, moving forward, as if nothing is any different, as if nothing ever happened, as if nothing has really changed. That's what it means to set aside. The opposite of laying hold would be to set aside. I got a few more. Can you take a few more? So in 1 Corinthians 15 and 2, he says, Hold fast the word that was preached to you, lest you believed in vain. Lest you believed in vain. Hold fast the word that was preached to you, lest you believed in vain. Did Jesus not teach us that... Satan comes immediately to steal the word. We hear the word and Satan comes immediately to try to steal that word from us. This is why we have to do what? We have to hold fast the word that was preached to you, lest you believed in vain. I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty tonight. This is not about shame, condemnation, or what have you, right? I see some of you taking notes. I see some of you not taking notes. You say, I'm not much of a note taker, Pastor Mark. That's fine, right? But again... Everything that you do to hold fast to the word that you've been given, right? I think it was Henry Ford who said, never trust your future or your fortune to your memory. All right? In other words, if the enemy's coming to steal it, you can love me, judge me, laugh at me now, later, or both. Amen? Amen. There are times when I have to go back and look over my own notes of a message I just preached. Because the enemy is trying to, to separate that word from us. And we must, again, faith is not passive. We must actively engage, put forth effort to hold fast the word that was preached to us. Hebrews 10 and 35, therefore do not cast away your confidence. This would be related to a setting aside. Do not cast away your confidence in this case, which has great reward for you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Now we're going to come back to this verse and to this subject in the coming days. But let me, if I could, just take a moment right now and then we'll finish this list and be done for the night. To me, the golden text in the Scripture concerning faith is what Jesus taught us in Mark, the 11th chapter. Now, obviously, there's, the Bible has a lot to say about faith, and I'm, I'm thankful for all of it. But, you know, there is, if, you, if you take Mark 11, 22, 23, 24, if, if Jesus never said that, and it was never recorded by the Holy Spirit, there are a lot of things that we would not know what to do about or would not make sense. In other words, it's a, it's a linchpin, if you will. You, you like you take a, a hinge and a hinge, and the linchpin is what holds them together, right? So you get all this stuff about faith in the New Testament, all this stuff about faith in the Old Testament, but Mark 11 is kind of what cinches all that together and makes it functional. And of course, this is when Jesus said, if if we believe in our heart and do not doubt, speak to the mountain, the mountain, you know, be cast into the sea, that the mountain will obey you. And then He said, whatsoever things when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. You don't wait till you receive it to believe you received it and if you already received it you wouldn't have to believe you received it because you would have already received it are you following me if somebody says hey you know I, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna bring you a piece of chocolate cake well if I believe that they're gonna do that I'm, I'm believing that I received it man I'm, I may not even you know I may like watch my calories that day to, to make room in preparation, anticipation, expectation for that piece of chocolate cake. And I'm believing that I'm going to receive it. I'm believing that it's coming, but it ain't there yet, right? But once the chocolate cake is there, I'm not believing that i receive it anymore because I've received it. There's no need for me to believe that I'm going to receive it. I've already received. Are you seeing this? So there is sometimes, and I, I know we can... The devil can exploit this if we allow him, but what Jesus taught us, and the context of this is he spoke to the fig tree, he cursed the fig tree, but it wasn't until the next day that the fig tree had dried up from the roots. And the disciples were amazed and surprised by it, but Jesus was not. Jesus would have been surprised if the fig tree had not dried up from the roots. Amen. So. There is this point where we pray and we believe that we receive. Again, it's not passive. Nothing about Mark 11 is passive when it comes to faith. Active, aggressive, agenda setting, proactive, going after, pursuing, whatever it is, amen. So notice how that fits in with this verse here. Do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. A lot of folks... That passage we read in Colossians 2, I won't turn back to it, where he said, let no one cheat you or spoil you from your reward. So what happens is we believe and we have confidence that, we're, that, that what we believe we've received and we're just, again, in confident expectation of that coming. But if we're not careful, we will set aside or cast away our confidence. And the Bible's telling us not to do that. We we have need of endurance. Endurance is speaking about what? Hanging in there. Holding on so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. All right, a couple more so we can finish this section. Holding fast the word of life. Philippians 2 and 16. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. If you spend a lot of time watching Christian television, I would recommend you putting that verse somewhere. You can see it next to your TV. Amen? If you listen to a lot of Christian radio, you might want to do the same thing. Amen? Because not all of that stuff doctrinally sound. But test all things and, and hold fast to what's good. And As Brother Hagin would say, uh, eat the hay and spit out the sticks, right? 2 Thessalonians 2 and 15, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. This is speaking of new traditions of truth. 2 Timothy 1, verse 13 and 14, Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed to you. Keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Again, notice, hold fast, Keep. Holding fast the faithful word as you have been taught, Titus 1 and 9. Hold fast your confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm to the end, Hebrews 3 and 6. Let us hold fast our confession, Hebrews 4 and 14. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. There's even some of this in the book of Revelation, Revelation 2 and 13. And you hold fast to my name. 2.25, book of Revelation, but hold fast what you have till I come. Revelation 3, 2 and 3, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember therefore how you have received and, and heard, hold fast and repent. Therefore if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Does Revelation 3, 3 sound something like uh, what we looked at in Colossians 2? Therefore, how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. Amen. There's a pattern there, right? Last one. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. Amen. Stand with me tonight. Praise God. Well, there's power in the Word to produce in our lives what the Word is speaking. Amen? Every word that God has spoken, He has saturated it with His power to accomplish. The Bible says that there is power in the Word of God to prosper the thing and prosper in the thing and accomplish the thing whereunto he sent it. Are you seeing this? Are you hearing me? Isaiah 55. Look at it later and look at it now. So when God speaks, you can't speak without breathing. And it's the breath that he breathed into Adam that caused him to be alive. So every word that God speaks is born upon and saturated, carried by his breath, his power. And God directs His power by speaking. So when God says something like, All my children are taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of my children. When we confess that over our children, over our families, over our family of faith, over our grandchildren. When we confess that over them, the power of God resides in that verse to do the very thing that verse says. Are you seeing it? So notice all these verses about laying hold, holding fast, do not set aside, do not cast away, hold fast the word. All of these, we could look at them simply as being instructions to us, words of warning to us, words of encouragement to us, but they're more than that because these are Father's words. The power of God is in these words to give us the ability to hold fast. Amen. That's that's what he's breathing into us tonight. Holding fast. Steadfast and always abounding in the work of the Lord. And we could go on and on and on with these. The Bible is full of verses that speak to this subject. So when you hear these religious cliches about letting go and letting God, excuse me, that's not what he said. That's the devil telling you, let go, let God. That's passive, see. That's passive. Father said, whatever you bind on earth, having already been bound in heaven, will be bound on earth. Whatever you release on earth, having already been released in heaven, will be released on the earth. Are you seeing that? That's far from let go and let go. Amen. Are you getting anything out of this? All right. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for helping us tonight, Lord, to lay hold of the eternal life, Lord, that we've already been given. To lay hold... Of the wisdom and righteousness and prosperity and freedom that we've already been given. To lay hold of the hope that's set before us. To not cast away our confidence. Father, to not let the word of God be stolen, but to hold fast. Lord, to not let our crown, our reward be stolen. Lord, there's folks who have given and sown and, 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 and tithed and, 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 and served and volunteered, Lord, for years and years and years. And Lord, you said the reward was for this life and the life that is to come. And so, Father, we by faith tonight say that our reward, both in this life and the life that is to come, will not be stolen, but that we'll walk in the full measure, 30, 60, 100 fold return of your promises in our lives, of your word in our lives, the fruit of the seed, the harvest of the seed, Lord, that we've sown, it'll not be stolen, we will not be cheated of our reward, we will not be cheated, Father out of what belongs to us by silly traditions and philosophies and basic principles not according to Christ but according to faith father according to what Jesus taught us walking in him with the same simple faith that we received him we thank you for it in Jesus name amen and amen thank you so much for being here tonight shake somebody's hand hug somebody's neck love somebody in Jesus good things